We believe that true success in every domain of life and work begins with a vision and a plan. I'm Michael Counts. And I'm Sarah Ellis Conant, and we are the founders of A Plan Coaching. And you're listening to All You Need Is A Plan. A podcast that explores how we can get the most out of life and work in the midst of more and more complicated and challenging times. Each week, we'll bring you guests who represent success stories at companies and organizations of all shapes and sizes. As well as thought leaders at the forefront of business and the wellness economy. So the purpose of this podcast is to share and explore stories of personal and organizational achievement ranging from how a company can change its culture and transform into the next phase of its evolution and succeed in new ways, to how a filmmaker can have a vision for a new project and realize it despite all the complexities, challenges, and difficulties that stand in the way, to how two creative partners can build a business and become an award-winning architectural firm, and how a new mom can see a need and launch a small nonprofit that grows into one of the largest diaper banks in the U.S. and many more. Knowing that achievement is really an inside job, we'll look at how habits are formed and obstacles overcome how organizational systems are put together, and how goals are set and explained, how successful teams are structured and managed, how people are supported to bring their best, and how challenges to team and group dynamics are mitigated so that the toxicity that can sometimes exist in a culture doesn't rule the day. So in this podcast, all you need is a plan. We're going to explore how things get done, big and small, in companies and organizations of all shapes and sizes, and the role that coaching and other tools have in supporting the achievement of individual and organizational goals. With that in mind, let's get to it. Once again, I'm Michael Counts. And I'm Susanna Ludwig. And our guest today is Dr. Santa Linda Marrero, a highly regarded organizational consultant, executive coach, author, facilitator, thought leader, and I'm especially proud to say, now an A-Plan coach. Dr. Marrero, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, Susan. Susanna. <laughs> All good. I'm so happy that you're here, Santa Linda. It's so lovely to have you today. I was thinking a lot about you and the work that you do and thinking about something that you said when we spoke before, which is that you said that what's important to you is building community one story at a time. And I found that really powerful as a storyteller myself, and as a a truth that I know is that storytelling is the way to access people's hearts. So I want to just jump off with that a little bit and hear more about what you meant by that. And I think that's a a good lead in towards what we want to talk about today with you. Absolutely. So I am part of a, a think tank, a group that began out of diversity 2020, and that was way back like 25, 30 years ago. And it's what the changes we wanted to see in our lifetimes. And we all know there's so much in the world, in this country that we focus on and that bring us together and tear us apart. So it's honoring those differences because that's where we grow. And it's, it's coming together through our sameness and yet not marginalizing each other, right? So we felt so strongly, a small cohort of us came together and wrote a book, The Diversity Calling, Building Community One Story at a Time. And my contributing chapter was titled Living Multiple Realities as a Latina in America. And so that's where that comes from and that sentiment. And we kvetched for a while around the title of the book, and it really spoke to us. That's how we came together. We came, come from all walks of life, different spaces, but all certainly seeing the importance of 
social equity, diversity, inclusion, interculturalism, all of the places where we intersect and where we divide. So that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to hear if, if you would, Santalinda, a bit about your story and what's been your journey as a thought leader, as a professional, as a coach, as a person in America, as a woman in America, as a Latina in America. I'd just love to sort of start there and have our audience get to know you a little bit. Well, thank you, Michael. And Susanna, he unleashed the fire-breathing woman. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I love it. And uh, I say Susanna again. It is a beautiful name. And for someone who's been called everything but the Nina and the Pinta, it's unforgivable for me not to get that straight. Okay. And I say that lovingly. And we use humor. We use humor when we misstep and when people misstep so that we don't create the illusion of that abyss that doesn't have to be there, honestly, right? So when people hear my name, Santa Linda, Santa Linda Marrero, Dr. Marrero, I'm surprised. They think they're surprised. I'm surprised when someone says to me, I'm surprised you don't have an accent. And I'll say, oh. And I didn't think of my name. I just know my name, my name, right? And it's been there for a long, long time. And so they'll say, so what country are you, or where are you from? And I will say, from the country of New Jersey. <laughs> that gives you my background. That's where I was born and raised. I'm the first generation of parents who came, migrated from Puerto Rico. And so I'm that daughter. And that's how I got, got to be here. And then People will say, well, you don't have a Jersey accent. And I say, mine, I can't win for losing, can I? So it it speaks to the assumptions we make. It speaks to how we don't even see the biases or even how we come across and and talk about the the Johari's window, the, the, the parts of us we don't know. We get to see through other. And that to me is very important in community is how we grow in communities, how we see each other in community is if, if we dare, if we dare to really show up, right, as we do an A plan and, and, and the learning that continues and the, and the process of really getting to our core is that critical. And so I received my doctorate from Rutgers University, again, way back in another eight lifetimes ago. But I think there were eight Cleopatras. There certainly can be an eighth Santa Linda. So that was a long time ago. And it was in counseling psych. And I made good on that for 20 plus years. I worked in public, private sector organizations in mid-level and senior level management positions. And then I decided to launch uh, my own practice about 25 years ago, SM Consulting. And as you stated, that's what I do, organizational development, team building, individual development is what really attracted me. And I didn't want to pursue the, the clinical practice, although I started my hours and I said, no, that's not me. I want the developmental end. I want uh, the the adult learning curve. I saw my struggles and I thought, I think I can bring something to the table. So I focus uh, on the, the title on living multiple realities. And I want to get to the core of why I even wanted to do have this conversation. I know A-Plan has stepped into, and I think rightly so, in the space of DNI and creating belonging, culture, and community. We work at it internally, and it's certainly a, a space that I wanted to add to and, and bring that, and also to have my voice heard along with many immigrants and migrants whose voices may not be heard or perspectives or filters. Now, I'll say migrants, and that's important to me because I'm not an, my parents weren't immigrants. Migrants because Puerto Rico regardless of what some leadership did not understand, is a commonwealth of the United States of America. So I say that with some humor, but very deliberately. 
And so those stories aren't always heard. And so I wanted to read, if I may, from one of the pages, just a, a, mm. a piece, if I may. Please, that yeah, please. Says that my history and experience of living multiple realities as a Latina in America helped me to see others in the struggle that we shared in. Uh, one, in defining moments that discrete, those discrete experiences that shape our identity, right? We all have them. However, I think that with the Latino migrant and immigrant uh, population that I can most identify with, there's a level of resiliency to overcoming uh, adversity in an unequal playing field that, that, that we come with. The other is that the third is that there's an awareness that we must battle between acculturation versus assimilation. And I'll, I'll delve into that in a minute. And for not forgetting where we've come from and reaching out to others. Part of our culture, part of our heritage is certainly part of our values. And I say that generically, of course. So that part about acculturating versus assimilation, wow, that's been the struggle and the schism for me and many, uh, many in my community and many in many communities. But one of them is, is this. There used to be a game Pac-Man. And I thought, oh, if I use that example, I may be irrelevant to some generation. I want to be inclusive. However, there was a movie a really crazy movie with the big Pac-Man, right? That came out and <laughs> I forget who played it. I, I think Pac-Man spans all generations. Okay. That <laughs> so, is. If you think of uh, assimilation, that that's Pac-Man. One culture or one dominant group eats the other, devours it, right? And then it fuses in. That was the old melting pot theory. And that's how. Now, when we look at the world and we look even the world in the U.S. because it's a world, right? Then we'll fall. Of, of different people, who do we assimilate to? Who do I become? The media will tell me how to define success and who I am and who I'm not, and that it doesn't matter or it does matter. But but more than that, it's about not being in, in a place where many of us, and there's research that shows us, Pew Institute and others have done it, uh, have done research around many of us, especially as Latinos, will assimilate, start to look like, start to talk like, start to be like, start to think like, start to act like, so that we can be accepted. With that, there's a loss when anyone does that, right? There's a loss in what we bring to the table, right? If we can really value that difference and and how our perspective can enhance. Certainly we all acculturate. We have to acculturate to where we are, to an organization. We acculturate to the, the local culture, right? We acculturate to the national culture. Of course we do that. And that is where there's a sharing, a blending, almost like the the triumphant rings of, of, of the Olympics, right? Where there's an intersectionality, of course, without losing who we are what I call selling our souls. Mm. And we all give pieces of ourselves away, but we shouldn't lose who we are. And that's the difference, I think, and why this was so important for me to have this conversation. It is about acculturating, not assimilating. And to acculturate, we have to see ourselves, accept ourselves, see what our defining moments were, do that inner search of what do we want? Who are we? How do we define success? And then certainly see how that uh, intersects with others in community. So that's why that was so important to me mm-hmm. and why this is such an integral part of my coaching. I think we're all developing people as people. However, I think what I bring and I wanted one of me when I was kind of coming up desperately, I didn't mm-hmm. see me or they didn't look like me. Or they acculturated. They were so assimilated. I'm like, I can't relate to this. I don't want to be that. I like to eat salsa and dance it. I like to, you know, I got crazy hair some days. I, I want to do those things and still 
I know I have intellect and I know I have this and I know there are others and where are they? And I felt alone and I needed guidance. So I wanted, I became one of me that I needed. And so that I could offer that lens, that filter, that intercultural filter, that, that perspective, and that people can identify with. And that at least begins with a reference point that we're not always explaining ourselves, which is exhausting or mm. shifting out of who we are. There are a lot of books being written of any culture, groups of people who find themselves at shifting that exhaustion, right? friend of mine, Mary Frances Winters, a plug for her, who wrote Black Fatigue and speaks to that. There was a, uh, a book, I think about 20 or 30 years ago, ago written by two African-American women called Shifting in the Price That We Pay, right, in organizations. So there's a lot of that that we all find ourselves in community struggling with. And I think that we have to hold space for that. And when we ask people what they want, it, 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 it's loaded. <laughs> there's a lot of answers to that, right? I don't want more trauma. I don't want more, even though it's part of life. I, I, I do want to grow, but it's not an equal playing field. And I have these issues and they'll say to me, so Santa, is it me or is it them? I'll say, nope, it's you. Let's have a conversation. Or I'll say, nope, you're right. In this organization, let's take a look at what's, what's happening here and how you can navigate what I call the slippery dance floor. Because I love to dance also. I don't call it a glass ceiling. I call it the slippery dance floor in your career. And then sometimes I'll say, you know what? We have an both here. Let's take a look at this. Let's really take a look at this. And so this is why it's so important for me to, to accept this and be honored by this opportunity to address what we're talking about here today, to share another filter, another perspective. I loved hearing about that. And it makes sense that you would become a coach in your sort of willingness and excitement about investigating this question of what do you what do you want and that is such a core of a plan's intention as you know working with our clients so i'd love to hear more about that can you tell us some specifics about how you bring that with your clients how do you dig into that a little bit more well it also aligns beautifully as a counseling psychologist my orientation that i chose to focus on is Rogerian. It's client-centered and it goes right to the client has the answers. The client knows. Now in, in working as a, with a multicultural lens and filter and all that, uh, the answers are, are a little more complex sometimes and they're loaded and they trigger and they bring other things up. Not to be confused with counseling, but clearly have to be considered when we go there and, and to be patient, to help peel back those layers of assimilation, those layers of any internalized oppression, those layers of protecting ourselves, of seriously detaching sometimes to even make it in places that our values don't align and our values is what drives our behaviors. And when we're constantly suppressing that, you know, there's a price to be paid. And so the way you do that, I think, is certainly with patience, tenderly, not cavalier, what do you want? What do you really want? And it's not that. It's a real sense of of first getting sometimes to what is that knowing? What is it really for you? Because the ghosts, as I say in my chapter, come out dancing when we don't expect them. I think you all can relate to that, right? Something bubbles up and what I want and why am I full of tears or 
why am I anxious or what? Because there's a lot that, that goes to that. And in getting into that place where people can identify and say, well, what has been your experience? And well, how are you defining success? And what is it that you want becomes a very special place to go. And so I say that for me, that aligns. And I, I, I find, again, the multiple realities make it complex. <laughs> it, 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 it's not always uh, as obvious as we think in digging in that it just surfaces. A lot of other things surface as well as what I have found. I totally identify that and, and just want to kind of acknowledge that mm-hmm. through my own experience in part, which is something that I, I know that I've felt, but we've also heard it in many of the conversations that we've had throughout these recent episodes with with Mahama Nayan Kamawu, with Erwin Acox, conversations around the question of diversity, the question of how can we address it? How can we look at the issues of trauma, right? And I think that when you talk about peeling back the layers, I think often it's layers of trauma. And I know when I first started coaching, and my experience is different than yours, is different than Erwin's, is different than Mahama's, but in certain respects, trauma is their common denominators. And I know when I first started working with Sarah as my coach years ago, the question, what do you want, was so often informed by the trauma of things that I thought I should want or that I was told I should want or things that I wanted to address a feeling, feelings of shame or guilt or remorse or sadness or all of the different manifestations of trauma. And then through the process of long-term coaching, slowly peeling back those layers. And I know now in my life, when I'm asked the question, what do I want? It's it's much closer to the core, but that's taken a long time. It's taken a lot of work and mostly through the coaching, but things that have also been kind of suggestions that have come out of the coaching about other forms of health and wellness and spiritual progression and, and, and healing, you know, old wounds and things. So I mean, one of the things that I feel like so grateful for in, in a lot of the work that we get to do with companies at A-Plan is often a real commitment to long-term coaching, yeah. not coaching as an intervention to come in quick, solve a problem and, and get out or, or kind of upscaling that kind of approach to coaching, but really getting to the core of what serves people over the long-term. And I think kind of what you're saying really hits that right on the head. How do you peel those layers back? slowly gently lovingly that's why this is a calling to hold space Mm. in a way that honors where people come from and we're careful to you know know that we carry our own biases and we're careful to check in and to the multiple realities of what we think we're hearing and what people are saying. And so it, it, it takes a lot of energy to be that plugged in, right? Even in, in that half hour or the 45 minutes or the hour sessions we do. And so it is important work to do, and it is long-term work, and it impacts organizations uh, as people aren't asked to park their hearts and spirits at the door and pick them up on the way home. We're, creating cultures of belonging. We're creating uh, communities, right? Data with soul is what each person is. And, and I say that when I work, I have a two high-level uh, high tech, 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 IT people, and I'm surprised because I'm so far from all the IT. But boy, they really 
also appreciate. So whether people are, they say, left brain, right brain, logical, you know, more detached style, all the stuff that we that I've learned and using intercultural, multicultural work, it's all relevant and it's all helping organizations to then help people do exactly what I'm talking about. Don't Pac-Man them, not to absorb them so that you lose the, the nutrients, right? Right? Of choosing someone. You lose the, the nutrients of their intellect. You lose the nutrient of their perspective, of their creativity, of their innovation. And yet these are the same things organizations want. And so if they, don't, if they help people to, yes, acculturate and, yes, expand the bandwidth so people can show up as they are and not a cookie cutter expectation or biased expectation, then we all grow. Organizations grow. They thrive. The world tells us in the U.S., just looking at the Haas Institute in Berkeley and their Center for Belonging at UC Berkeley, and there's a couple of others, the fastest growing populations are Asians and Latinos. And Latinos age 16 and under are even the more the fastest. And if you look at some of our populations, that under there, there's another layer, and the fastest growing population are multicultures. That is, several cultures come together. I think of my own son, right? African American, Indigenous American, Puerto Rican, and then his wife, who's Persian. And we say white because that's how his her mother identifies, uh, and I honor that. And now I have grandchildren. And they're all of that. And multicultures. I'm not this, I'm not that. And they're learning, you know, how to eat my platanos and my rice and beans. And they're learning how to, you know, <laughs> eat their doll and learning all these other things. And, 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 and it's all of who they are. And the multicultures are the fastest growing population. They're, and, and we're making these assumptions that the complexity isn't there and the complexity is an organization struggle. And the more we can do this work, Individually, it helps people with families at home, at work, at play. It certainly helps organizations build that foundation they say they want. And it takes this effort, along with leadership development and DNI training and a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. I just have a question. I'm so fascinated by everything you're saying, and I feel your passion in this conversation. What do you love most about coaching? Because I feel when I'm talking to you, I can feel how much you. Love it. And I just would love to know what you love about it. Well, one, that I think it's a calling to hold space for another soul, another being, another person. I also love that I can bring this filter, this perspective where I needed it and just couldn't find it in that way. And that's not to say you don't have people at home that don't love you, don't care, and significant others. Of course we do. But at my dinner table, I wasn't going to sit on my parents and speak about a dissertation. They were second grade educated. They didn't understand. They wouldn't know. Uh, A lot of us are first generation. So bringing that and holding space for that is dear and near to my heart. The other thing, and really, to be honest, and it's probably what I wanted, and as it peeled back my own, is when there's a flow state, when it really is a give and take, when yes, I'm holding space and we're in that fourth level, which we've learned of consciousness, where it flows through us and we can be there, it is nirvana. It is peace of heaven. It is godly. It is 
love manifests. I really believe that. And I, I, those moments feed my soul because the work is hard in terms of inclusion and diversity and leadership. And there's a lot of crucibles along the way, these multiple realities. And I'd like to end with, with a, a quote really do challenge us. And so when there's that state of true flowing between us, as I feel it even now, that community, right? One story at a time, when there is that that mutuality of vulnerability, while it's intentional in terms of moving the client along, it is priceless to me. I lose track of time when they say, you know, when you do what you love, it's not work, right? We're working it, absolutely. And I make sure I read, I make sure I take my notes, and we have a great platform on A-Plan that helps get that template just right. And all of that is great so that we can focus on the client, so that it is so client-centered that that you don't lose your way, but you lose your agenda for that of other. And it is, I think, just godly. It's beautiful. It's, It's a great experience. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more with that. And I, I feel it so often when we process surveys coming back from individual clients of the companies we serve and we hear about just profound transformation and impact and people's lives being improved and the benefit that has to the individual, the benefit that has to the teams in which they participate and the company, companies in which those teams exist really is to me like delivering on that promise of transforming organizations by empowering individuals and to see that and then to see that compound itself out into the culture more generally and to know that that as we work with and support change makers they make change and they move us forward and that's a beautiful thing and they contribute in the ways that we do to that feels i speak i think for most of us maybe all of us at a plan that that's a calling you know, that's not just the company we work for. That's a mission. And that's that's mm-hmm. driven by the values that we share. And that's a special thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I see, Susanna, I, I could feel you. I could feel your energy. <laughs> I know there's something percolating. Please share. I'm just thinking about everything you're saying. And what I'm thinking about actually is that on my my personal website, my tagline is holding space for you. And my fiance sort of teases me about that because he's, he's a writer and he says, I don't really understand what that means. What does that mean? And to me, I love that phrase because I think it's what we do when we're doing our job well is exactly that. We're creating a container for there to be the healing that needs to come from the client. And I can only imagine working with you that such beautiful revelations and healings come about with you and your clients. So, and we feed ourselves and it's a mutuality. Yes. We bring, I bring 40 some years of experience. My senses don't say that many of you sound ancient. I am. Okay. So 45, to be honest, right. Not all of this. And there's been a growing into this, you know, I'm not, I'm not over the hill. I'm like at the peak. I'm looking at the perch looking long, wide, deep and far. Remember when we came out of college, we were going to conquer the world. And that was good, too, till the world, you know, kept smacking us sometimes here and there. But I'm there and, and I want to, like, give myself away. I, I want to spend this time. Sometimes they want more. A client wants more direction. 
And after we're done, I'll say, I'll give you a resource and we'll go there. And I'll say, I got books. I'm looking at my bookcase. I can pull stuff out of my head. Others, I'll say, Google this. Or I'll say, this one's not in a book, but watch this YouTuber. I'll say, yeah, you know what? I'll give you an example. And this is how it worked out for me. Not you, but here maybe you'll get some tips. So there are times it's not like we just sit there. Mm. It, 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 I used to worry about that when I became a counselor. That's what psychologists that That's what people think we did. No, you're intentional. Intentional. You're really there with the person. And yeah, there are tools and and all of that. I have hired, I have fired, I have managed, I have directed, I have led. I've done those things inside. I know what can keep a senior exec, the budget, the downsizing, right-sizing, the new innovation. I, I hear it and I've been there so I, I can relate to it. And under all of that, then there's the person that, that you also are trying to cultivate. So it's it's usually an both. Is it me or the organization? It's an both, And we can bring those skill sets and we have a plethora, just an array of people in a, uh, a plan in that space that can do it in so many ways and bring so many things, which is why I joined and why I think it's so impressive. Um, and I learn. It's a learning community. So uh, honoring that, because that's what we do. We honor what we do by, by making sure that we also sharpen our saws and bring the best that we can bring, right? It's not 45 years of parchment paper experience. I swore I would never do that. I would not be one of those professors or teach, and I've done that, or I, I've consulted, I've done it, that it would be old. It's new, it's stuff, it's flowing. Life is growing and it's fluid. And some of it is said a different way, but it's the same thing I remember from then. And then there's new stuff. Oh, what is that? Mm. And so all of that discovery I think we have to do our work in ourselves and we are the instrument so that we can afford that space, holding space. So you can tell it means all of those things. <laughs> Santa said. I'm going to tell <laughs> You want to know space? Let me, let me fill your space for a minute. <laughs> jokingly but you know yeah we don't want to just use cliche words it has to have meaning i'm very careful i think he's bringing up a very good point so that yeah there has to be content behind what we say i can give you that i can show you this we can talk about that and yes i haven't done everything i haven't been anywhere but i can see far i can see wide i can see deep let's go there if you dare right exactly. uh, that's the invitation to all of us I love that. Did that make sense? <laughs> Perfectly. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, it, it, within that sense, you said something that's interesting to me. It, it, you were talking about having the the history and the depth of experience, but also being right here, right now, and applying mm-hmm. that right here, right now. And I'd love to just get your perspective on and hear your thoughts about the, the last year, at eighteen months, the shift that feels like it's happening in so many respects that of course has been building for, you know, acutely for decades, but, but I think has, it feels like an inflection point. It feels like maybe it's COVID, maybe it's, it's, it's other aspects of our culture and the, the political conflicts of the last few years. But I'm, I'm just curious about your take on, on this moment as an inflection point, or is that a misread? Is it not, that from your, uh, you know, vantage point? I don't know that it's a misread and and I don't know that it's not the end moment, we hope, right? (laughs) Hopefully it's on the way of becoming, that's part of life, right? Going. The one difference is that I think personally is this pandemic has been the first time, people always said there's six degrees of separation between good people that you want to meet. And I've always said in my heart, and I've said it out loud, I think there are no degrees of separation. And I believe that 
It's part of my faith. And I believe that. And this pandemic has showed us there isn't, even if you keep, interestingly enough, six feet apart. <laughs> no, we, the world has experienced this together. A pandemic, when have we had that? There have been pockets and there may have been in our history, even prehistory, except we didn't have media to show us that we were all connected in this way. So yes, this is different. And it's opened the pathway when we're talking about developmental work, I'll try to focus it in that way, to open our minds to the political, the, the what's being said had been said a long time by people of color, black, brown, lots of Asian, a lot of people called, these aren't new happenings, they're just being recorded and now no one can really deny. And so that's really put us in a space where, where we, we need to show up in courage. And, and I know A-Plan is doing that with some of the different groups, affinity groups that have come up to speak to white privilege and a lot of other things. And so that's an important space that's opened up for us to begin to perhaps truly all do the work together with no degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I think that it's opened the, a portal for the work around trauma. I was listening to this wonderful YouTube of a man who's done this work, got me beat by 50 years. He's done research. He's a psychiatrist at Harvard. He wrote a book, Transforming Trauma. And it is about doing that work because this is a trauma we don't know. And trauma he speaks to, and I believe is part of life. It happens from small incidents to large to worldwide. And we've all been traumatized. And I think it's opened the way to, for us to perhaps be more vulnerable in a kind way with each other. I see that more even in this virtual portals that we use. I also think that it's, it's created more intimacy. So there's been a silver lining of what this has done for us. And I also, think that we've got new terms like where you're not depressed, you're not anxious, you're languishing. There's been a whole plethora of work around what that feels like. You know, you're doing something fine was fine. And now two minutes later, I'm staring to space. I don't want to do this. What's the meaning? What's life? We languish. And so the human condition perhaps has been made more human. I believe I'm only the kite and there's a kite runner and he hit the pause button and say, let me just show you something here. Stop. Take stock. Right. And there are no degrees of separation. Even if we try to stay six feet apart, we find that people got ill. We found a lot of things happening. So I say that because I think it's relevant to our work and it's a portal that I think uh, gives us an opportunity to show up fully who we are, which is where I began, in our multiple realities and our complexities, mm-hmm. and to bring what we bring to the table and for organizations who are starting to see they really need communities that work virtually. They're struggling with how they're going to show up. Is it going to be a full virtual space, a part-time virtual space, a blend? What children are going to go through if the parents do leave the area where parents would love, many of them I hear would love to go back to an office and the children who are used to having their parents there, pets who are used to having their parents there. All of that is very challenging. So we're in it together. and, And that flow state has every opportunity to coexist between all of us. That's how I think it impacts our work. I have my own personal views and political views and all that. But I think what's important is what that brings for us as coaches in holding space, Susanna, in in a way that honors that we have some shared 
we have some similarities that brings us together, but we, and we, and not, but, and we have differences that need to be heard, honored, and, and not imposed upon yet again. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where I leave it. And I'd love to read something because this brings me something that mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to leave without saying. And I, I wrote it in a book. I got to tell you, it only is like 15 ch- uh, pages or so. Took about two years to write. Mm-hmm. And it, there were tears. There were places I didn't want to remember things, things I chose to try to forget. There were places I laughed like hell when I look back at what was meaningful or not, lessons learned. So I don't, what I'm going to share, my preface that it's not said lightly. It comes from a very deep space in me. So it's like this. So as I reflect back on my own success, and I have a lot of people say, well, I want to be successful. I want to grow in the organization. I want to do this and do that. And it's career focused. And I get a lot of that. And that's great. But I'm reminded that success, and I remind them, can be measured in terms of what you have given up in return for what you have received. Uh, And that can be a chilling thought. And for many of us, when there isn't that equal playing field, even more so. In the chapter, I, I, I wanted to pose a question and leave it with a quote. And I'd like to do that here. And the question is, are there parts of your persona that you have compromised altogether forgotten for lack of self-expression in multiple realities? And I had to say there are times I cried lots of, a lot of spaces, right? Just to make it through the doctorate, just to get hired at this place, just to fit into a Stanford culture, just to so many, so much of that, right? And as you were saying, Michael, success, people tell us who we should be. They should on us all the time, S-H-O-U-L-D, everywhere, right? I used to have a sign on my door, don't shit on me, I won't shit on you. Because it's like so constant. I don't, I, I can do that all by myself. The media helps and everybody else around me. Uh, so Bon Tom, who was a poet, said this, and I think it captured, nails it. Is there something we have forgotten? Some precious thing we have lost wandering these strange lands. And we're all in strange lands. And so together we are stronger. I think we each have data with soul. And when we can get to what we want, what we really want, and have a flow state interaction, Growth happens. Something happens. Magic happens. Blessings happen. How miracles happen. I have seen transformation. There's developmental growth. We want that as coaches, right? We t- we'll even take transitional growth. But I think most of us want to see that transformation, right? We're unleashed where our energy flows where I'm flowing now because I'm red like I had three glasses of wine. I'm like on fire, fire-breathing woman. Here I am. It's that excitement, right? It, it's getting your hearts pumping, right? Your, your own heart throb when you get to what you want. And I want that for everybody else. That dropped my mic. <laughs> that is a drop the mic moment. Santa Linda, you you were a gift to us all. And what you just shared is really just so beautiful and so appreciated. And, and it's a privilege to have you here with us today and within our community at A-Plan. I, I couldn't be more grateful. I hope you can use some of this in a way that serves <laughs> the two purposes of one, hopefully getting the multiple realities perspective out and to support A-Plan in, in how we're trying to 
to expand the space, not even enter, expand the space of what we say belonging is, of growth is, of development, of transformation. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I, I think we'll definitely be able to, for sure. I just want to say, Santa Linda, that this last hour has been just a joy, joyous state. I feel in a flowing, joyous state spending this time with you and hearing about your intention and your heart and your work and your journey. It's really been something pretty special. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for All You Need is a Plan. If you'd like to learn more about what A-Plan Coaching can do for your team or organization, Check out our website, aplancoaching.com, connect with us on social media, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening.